This is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy. He's Johnny. Uh, you know, this is a little weird. This is the first time that Johnny has ever told me to sit first chair. And yeah. I, I, I got to admit there, Haas, this is a, yeah, this is kind of wild. I'm, I'm used to spending the first, you know, 30 to 90 seconds of the show hearing your dulcet tones and being in the driver's seat. Ah, yeah, I, maybe I could get used to this. Let's I think find it's a out. natural fit. I think this is your, I think this is the way the universe should be ordered. This is the uh, way I like, well, that. this is the way you've got, I mean, if you're looking at the sum total of our lives, you, you are much more professional and experienced at the whole broadcasting thing than I am. So I, I'm okay with this. I I'm definitely, definitely okay with this setup right now. And well, it, you know, it's it it, here's, good. Here's you the thing it. though. I, I appreciate the tip of the cap to your old panel Andy's uh, radio experience back in the day and the back in the day part is important because well, i've now been out of radio place, than i was ever in it but you know don't sell yourself sell, sell yourself short says the broadcaster that uh this is what probably 310 15 episodes i'm assuming you haven't been on all 318 <laughs> taking a break at some point well so i that's actually the funny part about all this first of all by the numbering that we're using this is episode 319 yeah that's because i couldn't figure out how many episodes we had done before we started doing the numbering so this is oh, actually oh. this is actually probably somewhere in the high 400s okay um, and as for how many i've done i probably have only personally not been on the dubcast probably less than 10 times well you, you, i knew i knew it was something very small that's why when it's i thought small. oh this is this is number 319 i guess we'll say in the modern era and yeah. and i i i was shooting for somewhere between 310 and 315 because you're i mean you're pretty lou Gehrig, cal ripkin at this <laughs> yeah exactly the same amount of effort has gone into me <laughs> sitting here saying dumb crap as cal ripkin and lou Gehrig did in playing thousands of games of baseball in a row it's basically the exact same thing and you know i, have I to appreciate say, you pointing that out since we uh since we mentioned cal ripkin i have to say this is just a random aside that has nothing to do with the price of tea in china but one of the better speakers i've ever seen like at a conference convention was cal ripkin jr that guy huh. is actually you wouldn't think that he would be um because i don't think he's the most titillating interview i've ever seen but sure. on the stage yeah he's pretty good okay well, what was he talking about like what um, was his... he was speaking at a farm bureau convention oddly enough and so he like related a lot of his story of course i mean the whole story is is cal ripkin he's the iron horse you know whatever yeah. he's been you know played seven million games in a row so that's pretty easily relatable to farmers and the whole kind of hard work you know salt of the earth ethic sure, yeah. so he related a lot to growing up of course he talked a lot about growing up in the sport and stuff he learned from his dad and but it just it was really kind of very and i think maybe because it was so down to earth like it was not like you've if you've seen a professional speaker speak you know they're very polished i've seen some amazing convention speakers mm -hmm. but they're they're speakers he's just a guy giving a talk right there's a there's a difference like lou lou holtz people like to make fun of his uh you know speech impediment but lou holtz exceptionally polished speaker really oh, yeah. really good you I'm know sure guy that can go out and get 50 grand times. oh yeah 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 absolutely i mean right at the, the zig ziglar school of of motivational speaking guy's legit um this cal ripkin was not that but but very entertaining because he was so just very down to earth can every I, man can i tell you my favorite i know we're getting off track and i, I hey, apologize no that's okay it's the off season this. brother it is the off season let's do well, it 
Okay, so I've been to a number of those kind of, you know, rubber chicken dinner kind of things. <laughs> um, and part of it is because, so like in Middletown, I don't know if they still do this, but they did it as of maybe 10 years ago, at least. Uh, there's something called the Pig, Pigskin Round Ball Spectacular. And essentially it was a um, scholarship fundraiser for student athletes in Middletown City Schools. And my dad, when I was growing up, I mean, that thing had been around for like 30 years or so. And when I was growing up, my dad always did the audiovisual stuff. So I would tag along and I'd get to see, you know, guys like Gene Stallings and Earl Bruce actually was uh, was there a year. And, you know, I go up and I watch them and I get the autographs from the guys. And that was fun. Um, Jim Trestle was there once. I got his autograph. That was cool. And there's a number of those, you know, kind of around uh that area and i remember i actually went for 11 warriors there's probably a post about it but one of the big skin round balls had thad mata and yeah. luke fickle and luke fickle was you know luke fickle he was just you know very kind of matter of fact to the point straight you know nothing that you wouldn't expect big football thad mata was exactly the same way but in just a different sense because he's thad mata and he was hilarious and he clearly had no real like prepared remarks yeah and it was just him being hilarious that he's he's what what i enjoyed about that is when i was in college i read mark titus's blog and he would talk about thad mata just basically being a really great players coach and hilarious and still a guy who knows his stuff right yeah clearly very intelligent you know, in-depth guy, but just someone who really shoots off the cuff. And I was just very delighted that everything that Mark Titus had said about Thad Mata, I was seeing right in front of me at this pigskin round ball spectacular because he was just telling jokes. He was making cracks about how he used to coach at Xavier and how everybody in Southwestern Ohio hates him now. And he doesn't care. <laughs> and there's, there's just, it was just funny as hell. And he's, he's just a really entertaining dude to watch. So I, I appreciate that because I'd been to a bunch of these and, you know, it's, a lot of them are just these, like I said, these boilerplate speeches where it's like, okay, when the chips were down, the going gets tough and the tough get going. I'm like, okay. But that motto was like, yeah, I know everybody in here hates me. I don't care. <laughs> it's, fine. it's just, it was funny as hell. I loved it. Yeah, I don't know that till uh, you know, given given his uh, health challenges and things, that you'd see him doing a lot of of like big time. But I could see him being a really entertaining. Yeah, convention great. convention type you know motivational type speaker guys yeah he's very funny great and always was a great interview you, you could watch uh, mm. you just get that personality through and since you mentioned ohio state men's basketball that's a perfect segue into the big news of the week that uh, we will have 100 capacity at the shoe and the shot and all of ohio state's venues yeah. this season Gene Smith made the news uh, as part of the rollout for the men's basketball season ticket information and non-conference schedule that we'll have all of our venues operating at capacity this upcoming season. Uh, I mean, Johnny, I think this is uh, an announcement we expected to see coming sooner rather than later, but it's one more sign that normalcy is returning to the world as we know it. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, I think it's going to be a big celebration because there's been so much pent up demand and desire for people to get back to normal in one sense but also to be able to experience sports in the way that people want to experience sports i mean i know i personally have crapped on the experience at the shoe sometimes and uh you how, never yeah, i know and now it's not commensurate to how much you have to pay and all that other stuff but there that doesn't mean the experience shouldn't exist and 
I think people are going to be really stoked to be able to be back in the stadium. I, you know, watching, I was watching the Euro uh, final today and Wembley stadium just packed with England supporters and stuff. I'm like, damn, I missed that. I really missed that for Ohio state. So I'm going to be excited on that first game of the season when it's just, it's going to be sold out there. People are going to be, I, game's going to be terrible. It's going to be sold. It doesn't matter because it's in-person college football and it's taken us a while to get back to that, but I'm, I'm glad it's going to be back. Yeah. So September 11th at high noon, bring the ducks to town High noon, sold out game, right? Yeah. What about Tulsa the following week? The 18th. Is that one? Sold sold out? Out? I, I think it's honestly, this season is going to be, let me put it this way. Proof positive. If, if we want to talk about the issues surrounding buying a ticket going to the venue all that kind of stuff if, if that's what we're really going to have discussions about then there's going to be proof positive that that's an issue if the shoe isn't completely sold out or close to it most of the season right because if that's the case if people really can't muster up after all this pent-up demand you know to, to buy all those seats and to get out regardless of who ohio state's plan then then we've got bigger issues to talk about but i don't think that'll be the case i, I think that'll be bumping no matter who they're playing this season now, i think ohio state's going to have a decent basketball schedule uh this year you know they're going to play some they're going to play some tournaments uh, that, that'll be you know marquee type matchups but we got the non-conference schedule for the upcoming season and I, I i'm really curious there's going to be an exhibition game november one but then the the next three games at home akron niagara and bowling green <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean, I mean is do the you think the demand, shot's going to be a different situation? <laughs> is the pinup demand going to, you know, is the pinup demand for live sports, will it still be there enough to to sell out the shot with no. such great opponents <laughs> no. as Akron, Niagara, and Bowling Green? No, no, no. Hmm. The answer is no. Yeah. I, now, you have no you have no qualms about the fact that November 30 versus Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's final season. Yes, yeah, that will be that play that will be packed. What did right. you think about this non-conference schedule in general? You've got, I mean, I think you've got a couple bangers on there at Xavier at a neutral site. Um, or 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 I guess is the, the schedule calls it a way or neutral. I'm not sure where exactly mm -hmm. they're playing that. Um, and then they'll be versus Seton Hall and Cal and Florida, Cal or Florida, I'm not sure, but that'll be at a tournament. Um, but but at home. Exhibition, Akron, Niagara, Bowling Green, Duke, Towson, Tennessee, Martin, and New Orleans. Um, what there's one feel game in there that you're willing to write home about, I guess. I mean, it I just to me it feels like a very different schedule from last year. Oh yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, so here's here's my biggest thing about Ohio State basketball when we're talking about their scheduling, right? I have, I always hoped and always wished that Ohio state would basketball, especially with that model, whatever they made a much more concerted effort to um, like establish some rivalries, figure you know, some things that you're like, okay, I mean, obviously you're going to have the uh, you know, the ACC, the shootout, right. The ACC yep. big 10 challenge and all that good stuff. And that's cool. I love that. I think that's awesome. I think that is and that's super, the Duke game. Cool. Really cool. Right. Right. And I think that's great. I'm excited about that. But for me, I'm like, I, there's gotta be other, I don't know. There's gotta be other things that you can do to try to establish uh, a more consistent, like Xavier, for example, you're going to the Centos center. That's awesome. Make that every year. Now I'm going to be excited because, 
you know, Xavier was a team that I watched all the time growing up and that's a big deal. And that's, that's, that's important to me. You know, Kentucky, obviously kind of the same deal. You know, like my, my grandma who is not a big sports fan loved watching Kentucky basketball because she's from Kentucky and that was a big yeah. honking deal for her. So those are the things that I want to see on a regular basis. I, I don't want them to be one-off things, I guess is my point. I mm-hmm. want to see those teams come back on a consistent basis rather than go, yeah, that was cool for a year. And then you don't see him for a decade. I think that's silly. So there are some good games there. I like it. I just want to see them with regularity. Yeah. I'm with you. I think they ought to play. And, and I do, I have to say this, you know, kind of poo pooed the schedule uh, as far as the home games. Cause they're, you know, if I were, a, if I were a, a season ticket holder, I'd love to see some. Well, bring Yeah. So I'm saying bring them up here, bring them up to see bus. Right. Then... So I, I like the, the Xavier game. I agree with you play that game every year or close yeah. to it. Um, I like, it. I like that they're playing Akron and Bowling Green. That's fine. People love some of those in-state, you know, matchups. That that's cool. Play Cincinnati, play Xavier, yes. play UD, whatever um I, they I, definitely I, should play ud ud would be awesome that it would be, be and some you know for a lot of time a lot of a lot of years you know you hear people talk about like those games are kind of no-win situations for ohio state because you know if you're supposed to beat them and you don't but then do you gain anything by beating that you know so it's you know, yeah i get some of that but overall yeah the duke game's going to be great the kentucky game that that'll be that'll be great but again that's uh you know going to be at a, a neutral site as part of the cbs sports classic sure. um overall you know i don't know this the, the non-conference schedule to me was kind of a eh. away from the away from the shot yeah i would agree with that yeah like the or at the shot i would agree with that yep um you you need to bring some of those teams into columbus now, at the same time, you know, the other big news of, of the week relative to Ohio State basketball is that uh, uh, our man Chris Holman went out and got the guard that he badly needed after Dwayne uh, announced, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. announced he will be staying in the 2021 NBA draft. Mm-hmm. 50-year guard Cedric Russell coming via Louisiana, uh, where he was the Raging Cajuns' leading scorer last season, going to be playing his final ball year of ball in columbus that was a a pretty big story and one that uh, you know gives us now the roster for the round ball buckeyes this go round does russell give the buckeyes the fighting chance they had at making a tournament run with Dwayne washington jr uh it's not one-to-one i mean it's (laughs) definitely not a one-to-one replacement but did you see my favorite thing about him and i think he can score i think that'll be good and and you get a guy who can give you some points particularly 17.2 points on average 3.2 rebounds and one how many how many assists Andy? one and a half one and a half (laughs) so that's that's my favorite part about that dude's stat line is what was he's not what was Dwayne's stat line in terms of assists well i think it was a little bit better than that well i i don't know that was not a that was not a an intentional slide i'm just saying well, it's no not, it's not it's not 10 a game <laughs> no it's not but that's that's a good question though i want to look that up because Dwayne. the thing about Dwayne is like i don't think that he was a guy who um i don't know that he was he was a super huge ball hog i think he just felt that he was the kind of guy who would always be able to you know to make the shot and two, so that's 2.9 assists per per game. all right 2. so you get three so you get three assists that's not great but it's it's still uh it's not quite one and a half um i i just like i do appreciate the player who wants to take the shot and mm-hmm. it's funny to me just because you know when you've got a guy who could be occasionally playing point guard right like no i'm not passing screw that go to hell on <laughs> taking the shot 
Um, I think it'll be good. I think you have a good replacement. The roster is fairly well set. Obviously, you're taking advantage of a lot of transfers. That's nice. Um, got some good players coming in. They, you know, we talked about this last week um, or the week before, rather. I, I don't, I don't remember what exactly we were talking about, but the, we pointed out, like, look, this is kind of a make or break season for Holtman. It's not that he's a bad coach or anything like that, but they have to show something in the NCAA tournament, and they should have done that last season. Um, and I think the roster right now is comparable enough for them to have those same expectations. You got Liddell back. You've got a lot of, you know, Kyle Young, like you need to, you need to keep doing those things that you'd been doing and then prove it in March. Well, and look, this is a veteran team. This is the kind of team that Holtman likes to coach. He's been very clear about that. He likes, he likes veterans. That's why he's not afraid to oh, yeah. go out and get guys off the transfer wire. Old. This, is an they, old this is a very old team because you've added now Penn State transfer Jamari Wheeler. You've got uh, fifth-year seniors in Jimmy Sotos, uh, sophomore Michi Johnson, freshman Malachi Branham. That's the backcourt. Sotos and Kyle Young don't count toward the 13 scholarship limit since they're coming back as part of the, the, the COVID waivers. But, yeah, when you look at the roster, it's a really old roster, relatively speaking. And having these couple of transfers, you're going to kind of rent them for a year and, and hope that you can make a run. Um, I did pull up Dwayne's stat line, just as, as, you know, not that you're comparing, not that you're comparing the Sun Belt to the big 10 in terms of quality of opponents or anything, but Washington last season was 16.4 points, 3.4 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 41% field goal shooter, where Russell last season was 17.2 points. 3.2 3.2 rebounds, one and a half assists. So, I mean, it's a remarkably similar stat line against yeah. very different competition, admittedly. Uh, what's interesting will be to see one of the things that um, uh, that Colin noted in um, his reporting of, of Russell's pledge to come to Ohio State is that he's a, an outside shooter. And, you know, that would be something, again, we talked about this a lot last season, this modern game of college basketball. Can mm-hmm. you make it from distance? And when the Buckeyes were rolling, it's when they had the hot hands going outside. So if you get another, get another guy who can knock it down from downtown, uh, you know, that certainly I think benefits this team, the way the roster is constructed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And given how many threes that they were taking with certain points of the year, I mean, you've, yeah, it's, it's cool to see how intentional um, Chris Holtman is about constructing his roster and what he wants it to look like and whatnot. It doesn't seem to be, haphazard like you would occasionally see with that modest teams you're like i don't know what this team's supposed to be like you know exactly what chris holtman's teams are supposed to be and it'll be cool to see that product actually play itself out this coming fall so i'm excited about that i don't you know (laughs) am i getting in the shot for akron probably not am i gonna try to go for you know like maybe indiana yeah yeah i might check that out i think it's a fun experience i mean i i you know, we can gripe all we want about the shot, but it's it's still in-person basketball, and that'll be fun to witness. And Holtman said last week on local radio, WBNSFM, that, uh, you know, if they were going to add a guard off the transfer wire, it had to be somebody who was who was the right fit for the roster. So I mean, he was very intentional, as you said. Um, and he noted, you know, we're not going to go out and find somebody that's just like Dwayne. Right. Uh, there's nobody available right now that fits that mold, and, and, and there aren't too many guys that are just like Dwayne anyway. But you're looking at, you know, getting somebody who is going to be a perimeter player. He's very quick, very clear about that. They had to fit the roster. We're going to add another perimeter player, somebody who can, who can make points from downtown. Um, so, you know, and, and he, you know, noted in talking about that, that uh, adding Wheeler, which was very important defensively for the Buckeyes, mm-hmm. 
he's not a guy that's going to add a lot of points. You know, he's right. not a huge score. You brought him in specifically to shore up the defense, something clearly that Ohio State wanted to do more this offseason. So, I, I mean, I think how, how do you score the additions to the roster this season? Did Holtman get it right? Um, did he get it right enough? Uh, what, was there something you wanted to see happen that didn't in terms of upgrading uh, the the Jimmys and Joes on the court? Well, I mean, you want like Marcus Carr, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, let's bring in the best guy. And that's fine. I mean, that's that's what you want to shoot for. It's what you shoot for. But I, I think overall he did what he needed to do. It's – you can worry about, I guess, age and whatnot next season and, and whatever. Then obviously that puts more pressure on this season. But I like that there's a lot of experience, especially when you have a decent amount of transfers. You know what I mean? Like if, if you've got guys coming in – who are expected to be leaders right away, that's tougher than if you have an established core that's been around for a while and you kind of just hit the ground running. So I, I like that. I, I think he did a good job with that, finding guys who uh, will mesh well and, and kind of know what they're doing. I also really like the fact, you, so you got Tony Skin, right? Coming in as assistant coach. He has a connection with Russell already. So you can integrate these guys a little bit easy, more easier, I think, which is helpful. Um, you know, I, if I'm grading, I think it's B, B plus. I think you did a good job. And it's it, there should not be significant drop-off. There's going to be a little bit of drop-off. You're not going to have the same kind of explosiveness, I think, uh, that you got in a guy uh, like Dwayne. But um, I don't think there should be a huge amount of drop-off from one year to the next. And that means the expectations for me stay pretty much the same. So I that is all right. going to be a fun season. And, you know, the the other thing that's really interesting um, is is seeing – a young, you know, recruit. So not a, not a transfer. We've been talking a lot about the transfers, but mm -hmm. seeing Malachi Branham take to the court, yeah. this is a guy that I think we've been really excited about. And you know, how, you know, a guy's going to be pretty good is when they unretire the number <laughs> that a young guy's going to wear on the court. So, uh, news last week that, uh, our, our friend Colin broke that Branham will be wearing number 22 that was retired in honor of the great Jimmy Jackson hangs from the rafters of the Schottenstein center. And he will be suiting up the freshman that is, will be suiting up in number 22. Uh, that's, you know, part of me says that's a lot of pressure on a young guy. Although mm -hmm. I don't think that uh, Branham will shrink away from that by any stretch of the imagination. No, I, I think that's, it's interesting how people kind of go about that and, and what can be as maybe a, a motivator or whatnot. And he talked about how it's a big responsibility, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting from another perspective, which is, I don't know how many, not to crap on Jim Jackson or anything like that. I mean, fantastic player. It, I don't know that that carries the same kind of cachet with Ohio state fans as it would with it, like a football number or something like mm. that. Like somebody wears like 45 at Ohio. Yeah. State. Oh God. Like, okay, you better be freaking incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, with men's basketball, it might be a little bit of a, a different thing, but I'm sure you'll come in and he'll do everything he can to live up to it. I mean, how do you feel about the whole practice of retiring numbers? You know, part of Some me people says, hate it. How I, I'm okay with it. I, I like the idea of it. I also like what uh, Michigan is like you, you dedicate your season basically to that person. I thought mm -hmm. that was a cool idea. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I mean, some people are like, I don't, I don't want to retire anything. I'm, I, I, I like the keeping that history of it. I think that's a fun way to keep that alive. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of like it. And at the same time, um, I mean, I like the way Ohio state does it in the shoe with the, with the numbers and, mm -hmm. and kind of the, 
the the placards around um the upper deck there i think that's very cool i like the banners and the shot you know i just think you have to be really intentional about it like retiring a number is a super big deal right if you're going to oh, do yeah. that then it's got you know archie griffin number four. yes that that's a legit number you should you know the, you should definitely retire that number or at least as you say hand it out very sparingly because the right. odds that somebody is going to live up to that kind of of esteem is you know they're pretty pretty nil and if you look at the numbers that ohio state's retired basketball wise just five uh, john havlicek jerry lucas evan turner gary brad so that's 5 11 21 and 35 in addition to jimmy jackson's number 22 mm -hmm. you just have a, a, a far fewer numbers to retire i guess when it comes sure. to basketball well they should have what they should have done is actually given them evan turner's number just to see how pissed turner the villain <laughs> That would have been actually would be funnier to me. Uh, <laughs> Most entertaining Buckeye in uh, in in the modern era. Oh my is... God! Yes, it's that <laughs> I don't like. Again, you can talk about D'Angelo Russell and his season was completely amazing, and I love that dude. But from a human being standpoint, it's really hard for Aaron Turner not to be right up there. I mean, it's he's just a very silly human being in a lot of ways and a, and a lot of and i mean that in an affectionate sense i'm not saying he's like a, a dumbass or anything like that he's not it's just he's a very quirky individual and, and we love him for it we're going to come up to ask us anything in a moment but we'll, we'll we'll turn the tables on you let's ask you the listener something all right what numbers should ohio state have retired or should retire that they haven't either football or basketball is there a number that is missing from the hallowed rafters that should be retired and and or vice versa what's what is your favorite number of the numbers football or basketball that have been retired who was the most deserving retiree of all the numbers that are currently hanging on the wall or from the rafters so hit us with the comments hit us in the comments with those love to hear what you have to say about it all right before we get to ask us anything a couple of other uh items you know last week we talked extensively about ryan day's unstoppable recruiting machine johnny i i gotta i gotta tell you uh this is gonna surprise you he got another one after we went to press what? last week he got another one the uh machine never stops buckeyes had four-star colorado offensive lineman george can't keep getting away with it <laughs> Well, you know, the damnedest thing is that it was only a four star, right? You know, well, then he like should just quit. He should five, 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 five. George Fitzpatrick joins. And I have heard this said more than once Ohio State is a line driven program. So bringing in another four star tackle pro prospect should uh, make folks happy, happy, happy. Six foot mm -hmm. six, weighed 285. Kind of remind me of uh, Big Bad John, if we have any Jimmy Dean fans uh, in the audience. Uh, uh, big, big, big tackle, four-star number, um, 27 offensive tackle in the country, according to the two twenty-four seven composite rankings. Uh, yeah, they're doing pretty good at this whole recruiting thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, and you know what recruits and commits like that are the commits like, it, it they make me kind of breathe a sigh of relief when I'm going down the list of all the commits in a class. I'm like, okay, you got the big name wide receiver, you got the quarterback, that's great, but I need to see an offensive tackle before I know that this team's going to be okay. like, you know what I mean? It's just it has it, it's it's the it's if you got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Peanut butter jelly, they're, they're the star attractions, but you got to hold it together with the bread. Bread's got to be high quality. And I need to see those offensive tackles and defensive interior linemen <laughs> and safeties, right, mm -hmm. on those recruiting lists. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Obviously, a four-star prospect's pretty darn good. 
and second uh, offensive tackle in the class, second four-star offensive tackle in the class. And what is the number one recruiting class in the country, according to 24 seven. So expected that uh, with 17 recruits already in Buckeyes may try to add a couple more offensive linemen to round out that hall. And this seems like a guy who uh, could see playing time pretty early in his career. Yeah, that's, that's legit. I mean, that's, just another example of Ohio State being able to get out and get whoever and whatever they want. <laughs> and it's kick ass. It's it's super sweet, but it's it's like we need this guy. Okay, well we got him. So, there you go. Yeah, uh, I like it. I like it. So, you want to read more about those, encourage you to do that. The um uh, the the place to go is you may have heard is 11warriors.com. And you know, Johnny, I saw something on the internet. Uh I I frequent the twitter.com occasionally um mm-hmm. maybe not as often as i as i used to did although when sports season starts back up here in the fall i'm sure that will uh, that will rectify itself but i saw uh, a young fellow who was so enthused about the game of football and the ohio state university buckeyes in particular that he tattooed across his trapezius oh, region God. uh a <laughs> a representation of the t-shirt that i am wearing as we speak oh nice that that folks can buy actually at the dry goods store by 11 warriors 11 11 dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store you can just visit drygoods.11warriors.com hats shirts stickers barware you name it we got it my favorite t-shirt in the collection what i like to think of as the epic plays collection is 85 yards through the heart of the south the original except no substitutes or imitations go to drygoods.11warriors.com and buy 85 yards through the heart of the South before you decide to tattoo it on your body. It's just a great t-shirt and uh, it is. yeah, it's, it's a lot less work to go through than the actually. tattoo should have been a little bit bigger. It looks a little too small. Like it's gonna, that's, that's gonna run together eventually. I think he should have gotten it larger than he did. I mean, if you're um, going to go, if you're going to go for it, go for the gold, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you know, it's, it's on your back. So you've got a lot of real estate to work with. You might as well just use all of it. Um, unless I guess what you could do is we have a number of other shirts with, you know, like Holy Buckeye and, you know, Curtis Samuel beating Michigan. So maybe you just want to get the whole set on your back as you do, you know, with the shirts. So that, that's, that's maybe an approach. Yeah. What is your favorite shirt at the dry goods store? I'll, I'll just ask Sherman. Yeah. It's always going to be Sherman. Doesn't defeated matter. out the of duck. conference. I miss Afro Duck, but you know it's. Do we still have Afro Duck in stock? I think. Well, I don't know if he's still in stock, but he's definitely he's on there. So if number one in our Afro Duck, force Jason to do another run of it, which I would enjoy. Nice legend, straight up legend. Uh, And do you have any tattoos, Johnny Gitter? I don't have any tattoos. I've thought about it. My wife got a tattoo for her thirtieth birthday, and it's really cool. I just can't think of anything cool that I would want on my body that. I don't know. Like my grandpa had a tattoo. He got a tattoo when he was in, in the service in the military during World War II. Was, was he in the Navy? Uh, no, he was oh, in okay. the Army. So such a Navy guy to do, you know, just, a, yeah, such I a know. Navy he, guy, I no, he, he was, was in the Army. He was, uh, you know, he was on a mule train actually. In oh, wow. That's cool. That's right. I remember you telling that. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So but that. when I was a kid, like by the time I saw it, you know, it had faded considerably. It was green, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> um it was like bright green and tattoo uh, artistry has come a long way and yeah (laughs) yeah that's definitely true um so i always thought it was cool but i just i can't think of anything you know a a funny nerdy guy like me would necessarily need to get on his body permanently so do you have any tattoos i do not i do not and and i'm i'm a, a gentleman of some stature and so i i always 
always fear, you know, that uh, if I get either larger or smaller, you know, and I have a tattoo, oh, yeah. it's just going to look sad or weird or, you know, so no, no. Uh, and likewise, I honestly don't have the foggiest damn clue what I would have tattooed on on my carcass. I I can't think of a thing. I don't I've know. thought maybe, about maybe it. like a USDA prime uh, stamp, you know, like right there on my on my what arm. you should do you should get an outline of a steer or something with all the different cuts of of on your butt cheek like the the chart it. of all the primals yes that's yeah. it yes yes get on your butt uh, cheek that would mm, be good mm. uh something I'll to think it. about and now uh listeners everywhere will be having horrible horrible dreams and nightmares my favorite tattoo i have to, i'll have to admit this one just i don't know why i thought of this but i always thought it was hilarious when i was a kid so grandma was a school bus driver. And so we, we rode grandma's school bus. And so I spent an inordinate amount of time on school buses and at the school bus garage and the um, bus supervisor in our little district at that time was a guy named Bob and Bob. I, I don't know if he was in the service. I don't really know Bob's story, but Bob had this tattoo of a naked lady on his forearm. And he was always okay. joking. He's like, want to see her dance. And he'd you know, like roll his wrist around and like, oh, wait, make that's literally Pete and Pete. Yeah, I mean, it's just hilarious. It, oh, my it, God. A, I mean, this is a real guy, and he had the naked lady on his forearm. It was it it's was hilarious. really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you yeah. know, he's he, he's a, you know, a bus supervisor, maintenance type guy, so he always had his sleeves rolled up so you'd always see. So, you know, <laughs> young, young young kid going to the bus garage, I just always thought it was hilarious that Bob had a naked hilarious. lady on his forearm. So That's fantastic. Good times. All right, now I'm, I teased, ask us anything. So, Johnny, hit me up. I understand we've got a raft of questions from – out in the dubcast uh, audience universe so lay it on me first question go okay so you can as a reminder you can ask us anything by sending us questions at dubcast at 11warriors.com let's start off with our good friend alvin and i this is a good question somebody actually asked me this outside i forget who was asking me it might have been my wife might have been somebody i was talking to at the gym i can't remember but alvin wants to know do we foresee nil negatively impacting the sport and how so if so you know, I, I mean, yes, I'm sure there is some like unintended consequence that's going to come of this. It, and there could be, I mean, I can think of a lot of different permutations. One, if the, the idea that the haves and the have nots is a real thing, and this is just going to lead to the rich getting richer, and you're going to see that, you know, top five or six programs only get, you know, morally, that, that could be one possibility. Another possibility mm -hmm. I could see is that if you're in the camp that already thinks things are kind of crazy with regard to free agency and transfers and that this is only going to accelerate that, you know, that, that, Hey, if I really want to maximize my NIL opportunities, number one, I've got to be at a, you know, great school with a great brand, but number two, I got to be able to get playing time. I got to be able to go out there and make highlights. I got to, you know, there's a school of thought that says that NIL just leads to more individuality. So if you're somebody who, really dislikes that um and i think that's one of the complaints you see about the nba right it's a very like superstar driven me 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 kind of league it's not so much about the team the team the team to borrow a phrase from a team that's not very good Man. um you know i could see that being a thing that this becomes an even more you know individual driven sport in what has been maybe the ultimate team sport so i you know i, I could see some permutations i think the pros outweigh the cons but yeah i, I mean i think there's going to be some cons you're going to have. And the, the other one that's just kind of obvious lying under the surface is the number of shady hucksters who are going to be out there trying to take advantage of 
of kids and, and figuring out, you know, you're going to have guys like, you know, Chris Olave is going to have a marketing agent dealing with this stuff, but what about, you know, uh, you know, Joe Blow, the, the, the uh, second string uh, tackle, is he going to have that same kind of representation watching out for his back? I don't know. That's actually, that would be my concern along with the idea that let's say something happens and a player gets sued for something like breach of contract or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. What kind of defense do they have? Are they going to rely on the schools to back them up? Is there, you know, do they have representation? What does that look like? And that could be, I think, a real danger, especially if you're talking about really large amounts of money and they might be on the hook for something that they don't quite like have the capacity to manage while they're also being student athletes, you know, like, so I, I think that does have a potential for getting a little sticky and hopefully that, you know, schools look at that potentiality and go, okay, well then we need to make sure we have systems in place to, to prevent that from happening. Um, which Ohio state, you know, and most of these, these large schools absolutely will have that. Uh, I think you're going to be a little more vulnerable at a smaller school that maybe doesn't have the kind of resources to handle that. So that, that's the kind of stuff that I worry about. Um, but it, you know, it, it, none of that may come to pass. It may be all stuff where it's like these one-off things where, and honestly, that's, I think that's the way to do it. Um, I know you're seeing some of these, like there's like barbecue places that are sponsoring the offensive line. Like that's cool. I think that's really cool. Um, and if I were a player, I'd be like, look, I'll do like one thing for you. You know what I mean? I'll fulfill it'll kind of like a cameo thing. Like I'm not going to have an ongoing relationship where I have to do 15 commercials for you and show up places. I'm just going to do a one thing. You can pay me money and then I'll move on to some other thing. And that's, that's probably the best way to go about it right now, especially if you're trying to play and make some money for yourself at the same time, you know, like it's going to be hard juggling, maximizing your earning potential while all your eyes, you know, everyone's eyes are on you and meet with all your other responsibilities so i think it's probably a lot smarter for the athlete just to be like pay me some money i'll do something and then see you later you know which is probably you know that's not a bad bad gig i don't think and and, you know the other the other piece of it that i wonder about too is how the rules will change like i feel like compliance isn't going to get any less crazy i I think you know more more so maybe case in point the ongoing discussion about um all all of the players ohio state some of ohio state's players uh are are in this boat um that jumped on the barstool bandwagon Mm -hmm. and and it uh, is that okay because they're gambling sports book business right so like all of those rules Ohio State rolled out its NIL guidelines last week. Uh, a lot of different things involved there and mm-hmm. what they can and can't do. Of course, you know, high degree of disclosure, no drugs, gambling, or adult entertainment. Uh, you're not going to see your favorite defensive lineman rolling out an OnlyFans anytime soon, those kind of things. But <laughs> Matt, you know what, though? And Matt Brown asked that one of our good buddy, you know, on. Uh... I, I thought it was a great question. Yeah, he was talking about only thing is that is that particularly allowed? I mean, obviously you've got some of these athletes on cameo and stuff. I don't know that that is an excellent point because they're really none of this has been tested before, and you're really going to see this season just kind of pushing those boundaries while people try to figure out what those actually are. So mm-hmm. I don't know it, that that could be a danger, but it's also kind of exciting to watch. So. I'm not too worried about it. It'll just be interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good question, Alvin. Thank you. And uh, Johnny, take us to the next one. 
So our next one is from Nelson who wants to know, and this is by, I really like this question too. Several of the shows listing early best games mentioned Alabama versus Miami. What am I missing? <laughs> I expect to beat down Alabama by three touchdowns minimum. I don't think he's missing anything. I have no idea why people, first of all, I don't think Manny Diaz is a bad coach. I think he's a good coach. I just don't know why people really, really want Miami to be great. Like I understand that it's it's a big name and stuff, but they give them the benefit of the doubt so much. And it's really, they got one dude, they got King, who they're expecting to be this breakout star. And then everybody else is just kind of, eh, fine. Yeah, I agree. I think Bama's going to house these dudes. I don't, <laughs> first week of the season, there's no way. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. And I was just taking a scroll, a, a scroll through um, our friend of the program, Bill Connolly's SP plus preseason rankings to see, okay, is, is Miami supposed to be super great? Uh, is this something? They're not bad. I don't think they're a bad team. I just, there's no way. Like, I just don't think they're going to be able to compete with Alabama, right? Alabama's head and shoulders above teams like that right now. so if you looked at that they're they're expected to be the number eight team in the country according to sp plus that put them at a 22.7 rating i'm going to go out on a limb and assume alabama's number one yes they are so 30.7 so 30.7 minus what i say 22.7 that is going to give you an eight point crimson tide edge on a neutral field yeah so, nelson says three t's tds minimum i think that might be a little crazy but honestly i wouldn't be surprised if alabama beat him like 14 15 points yeah, fairly easily yeah um especially pretty, pretty as the first game of the season i just yeah i don't see that being a big one thank you for pointing that out i i, I mean i just think... like to hype these teams so much in the offseason because they they think that past success is predictive of future success well, not only that but i think there's a certain school of thought that there are a few teams that are always going to be back you know like I mean, right exactly this like is they're the back, they're michigan, back baby. michigan's back uh no, no, notre dame is well okay notre dame's sort of been back-ish but U usc is usc back is is right. miami back like Texas you want back yeah, yeah texas yeah perfect example like the these are always a no and the answer is always no right, right. the answer is always no like maybe usc is going to be back this year i don't know i i'm with you like i think miami will be fine miami i don't think they're lost. gonna be great it, the they problem lost I their last two games of the season last year, and it was like those are their only really uh, – the games that they lost were all games that they should have lost because they were playing teams better than them, or at least like – like if you look at their schedule, right, they beat Louisville, right? Louisville was a top-20 team, great, fine, in the second week of the season. Louisville, like I don't think anybody's going, oh, my God, I can't believe you took down mighty Louisville that ended up, what, four and seven – and then they lost badly to Clemson. They beat a bunch of scrubs in a row. They lost really badly to North Carolina. That was the, remember that game? That, that was the one that everybody was like dunking on them about <laughs> yes. because they were on social media and they were talking about like, <laughs> I don't know. They were like saying a bunch of like, what was knee crap on social media? And people are just absolutely just tearing apart. They, they turned off their mentions, which was really hilarious. Uh, Cause they lost by like 35 points or some crazy. Yes. Thing. And then they get in the bowl game and they lose to, to Oklahoma State. So, no, they're not back. And I, they might be a decent team this season. I think they'll probably be a little bit better. But I think Alabama's going to annihilate them. So, they're not back. Nobody's ever back. They, you know. I, I like the – I mean, there's a school of thought that, you know, Miami's – college football is more interesting if Miami is back like that. But, but there again, Miami was interesting for what? 10 years, 15 years. I mean, we're not talking about a school that has, you know, a hundred 
they were cool in the 80s Championships. they were cool right. for they were cool. three years of the late 90s and then that was it yeah i just yeah yeah i mean i'm not, I'm not saying those teams weren't kick ass like it was they were definitely a great part of the college football ecosystem but it's i think part of it too is generational you know what i mean i don't know how many kids in college right now are really chomping at the bit for miami to be great again i don't think mm-hmm. anybody cares i don't think i don't think a lot of college kids right now are chomping at the bit for nebraska to be good again because they mm-hmm. they were born when nebraska was good they don't care so they're not going to care for Miami. And I think a lot of it is just writers going like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's get the narratives working again. I'm like, Who cares? I don't care. Miami's never good again. If they're never like hugely relevant on the national scene, I'm not going to be crying about it. Uh, there are other teams that can fulfill that spot and still be good and interesting. And and the thing about it is I rolled through that list of, of Connolly's, you know, top 25 preseason just based on SP plus. <laughs> this is, you know, his quasi objective uh opinion and or, or not opinion but uh quasi-objective ranking system i should say and, and it's the usual suspects right you're looking at uh in the top 10 alabama clemson oklahoma yeah. ohio state uh oregon georgia iowa state all right now you have my but attention the, right. there's there's interest that's that's interesting. that's my point i am more interested in seeing an iowa state take that leap that people like some people might want Miami to take. I would rather see Iowa state do it because to me, that's more interesting. I they've been hanging around and they they've got a coach who might do some interesting things and they're not going to be there just because it's a name. Like if they succeed and and really they've got one team ahead of them, right. In the, in the big 12, if they succeed and they take that team down they'll have earned that. Um, And I just, you know, I, nobody's going to be given Iowa state the benefit of the doubt. Like they might with Miami. All right. Here's the deal. So you mentioned Iowa state is the second big 12 team in Connolly's top 10. Mm-hmm. The big 10 is paced of course, by the Buckeyes in a number four, one other big 10 team is in Bill Connolly's preseason top 25 uh, based on the SP plus rankings. Johnny Ginter, I'll ask you who is the other big 10 team in Connolly's top yeah. 10. I don't want to say Penn State because I don't think it's Penn State. It is not Penn State. Okay, I didn't think it would be Penn State. That that would be a mistake. Um, and the other, you know, the other thing that you would say would be Wisconsin, but I don't think it's Wisconsin either. I think it might be Northwestern. You zigged when you should have zagged. It oh. is Wisconsin. The Badgers right. clock in at number nine, just behind the Miami Hurricanes and just ahead of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Man, that ACC that acc yeah man i yeah Pins- wisconsin yeah i you're right i should have i should have gone with wisconsin obviously wisconsin's there's another team that i think probably they deserve more respect than uh than they typically get because they've done a really good job there for the past several years so penn state checks in at number 14 uh just ahead of your cincinnati bearcats at uh, mm-hmm. number uh, number 15 iowa number 16 and then let's see. Does North? I don't know why I said Northwest. Maybe they, you know. Well, you love Fitz. I mean, Fitz is Fitz is fantastic. Who doesn't love Fitz? The last Big Ten team to make that top twenty-five. Any guesses? It's not Northwestern. I don't know why I said Northwestern. That it's was not cool. Northwestern. Coming in uh, at number twenty-three. Indiana. The Michigan Wolverine. Michigan. Okay. Little okay. scrappy Michigan. <laughs> little scrappy Michigan might make it yeah. big this season. Maybe they're gonna surprise some people. You never they're know. Not. They're gonna be terrible and they, they should not be in the top twenty five. Hot be... seat year for uh for Jim Harbaugh. Hot seat year. <sighs> yeah, well, yes. I mean it should have been hot seat last year, but I'm just thinking about how I might have to retitle threat level because they're gonna be garbage. So I I've been saying this for years. 
I thought last year I should maybe put threat level away because it's like they're they're bad. And then this season they're really bad. Um, but there are certain series in the history of the site that I just will support until doomsday. One of them is threat. Still make stupid photoshops of of I, I would. I mean, write that until write that until the Earth implodes in a black hole in some dystopian future like write that series i would i would give any amount of money for us to bring back the ten thousand dollar presidential parlay that was my favorite site series of all time that's ten thousands better ten thousand times better than it's so good i it was oh so God. good it, for, for folks who haven't been around the site for a minute go back and, go back and read those they were that's brilliant. better than anything i've ever written ever. they were they were sensational i i loved it uh, some of my favorite writing ever all right let's Let's last let's get question. this let's get this horse back to the barn. Last question for Ask Us Anything. All right, real quick. So this is from Joshua F. Who wants to know Warren Buffett shows up at your door, which he does every weekend for me. I mean, we're best friends, uh, and gives you fifty million dollars with the stipulation that it must be spent on a business venture. What business do you create, and what does it look like? I now, see. I you, thought I thought we were going to go Brewster's Millions there. <laughs> well, yeah. I see that. <laughs> I may have to watch that after we stop recording. Yeah, it's one of say. my favorite movies of all time. Fantastic. Uh, uh, that's yeah. a that's a fun concept for a movie. Anyway, anyway, I could go on forever about that. I love the high concept 80 movie, 80s movies. But <laughs> yes, would you, you would go. you stay in like the, the beef industry? Are you, you know, are you well? Are you I mean, God, that's the first thing I thought of, Johnny. How pathetic that you I mean, yes, that is no, it's very, not pathetic. That's no, so it is, but like I am I am I am very transparent. Like the I have been an entrepreneur in, in a past life, a couple a couple times in in uh, my my career. When I was in college, you know, I was a mobile DJ, ran a little mobile DJ business. And that's how I paid for beer and books. So that was my little entrepreneurial spirit. And then, by the way, did you, I I know this, but did you have? Well, I don't know what it is. I know that you were a DJ, but did you have a DJ name? I, I didn't in terms. Of, I was just you know DJ Andy. I wasn't anything yeah. like you know DJ you know. Hey, no. Yeah, right. Like I didn't have anything cool like that. Uh, my little, my little business and our little word art logo that I made in Microsoft Word. You know, like the, you know that word art that you can make. Oh hell yeah, Microsoft Word the gradient and it's like yeah, 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 yeah. shadow. Yeah. It's great. Sounds with a Z because in the late '90s, you know, you needed to put a Z on it to really be it's cool. Extreme. So sounds party productions. That was our. That was my little, my little DJ build. But then um, <laughs> my radio days. That you still know, has a presence was, on the internet. Oh my god. No, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, Wait, wait, was it Z at the beginning or at the end? At the end, S-U-N-D-Z. Yeah, there you go, sounds. It was very cool. I hope that's there's nothing still out there. I just, sounds. I think it Party Productions. I'm looking it up. Oh, my God. So then, uh, but no, the actual, the business that I would would absolutely love to be in, and, and it's a terrible business. I, I will tell you that. It's a terrible business, but, but would be to be feeding cattle. I would very much uh, like to have about 500 head to feed down on the home place. Um, I, I had actually, when I was finishing my graduate studies at, at Purdue, um, your capstone project for the master's program I was in was to do something that demonstrated that, you know, your grasp of all of the economic concepts. You know, that was my master's was in agricultural economics. So I did an economic mm-hmm. feasibility study on this very thing, you know, building basically a, a cattle feeding facility at our home farm where I grew up. And you know, basically the deal is when you feed cattle, you lose money, you know, five or six years out of 10. Uh, so the question is, do you make enough money in the other years <laughs> to right. make it a wash in the end? You know, the money, the money in the cattle industry is really either in the cow calf space where you're 
you know, breeding cows and selling the calves, that's harder to scale around here unless you have a lot of land. That's why a lot of the, the ranches and the seed stock operations are out in the West where land is less expensive than it is here. Uh, the flip side of that is you either have to be at the other end of it and be in the uh, slaughter and processing side of things, mm-hmm. which again, large vertically integrated companies like Tyson, JBS, et cetera, uh, kind of dominate that space. So, but, but yeah, if Warren struck me a check for 50 million, you, you, you're darn right. I'd be out there feeding cows somewhere. That's All right. That's no, what I, I want mean, to do when I retire. You got to do what you love. Yeah. When push comes to shove. Yeah. You it do would it. not be a smart business venture, but if Warren struck me the check for 50 million, I ain't spending it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some know. of that cash is going to be left as working capital, quote unquote. Right. right. 1 million in investment, 49 million in Bitcoin. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Hey, That's did I see sound. that, that the, uh, the big basketball tournament is uh, the, the bracket challenge is going to be paid out in, in cryptocurrency oh good lord okay well i'm I'm gonna have to go fill out a bracket because i think it's a grand prize was like one bitcoin what is what is bitcoin up to now oh god (laughs) probably like thirty thousand. then next like next week it'll be down to five it's fine um what about you what's your what's your warren buffett back business venture i'm not really an entrepreneur per se and i say that as one of the co-owners of love warriors that's smart um but (laughs) but i people for that yeah, well, you know, um, I would say if you got to think, if you're going to run a business, it's got to be something you enjoy doing, right? It's got to be something that you you feel like you can A, make money off of, obviously, but then you can kind of stand enough to, to be in it long enough to make money. And so I could pick any number of like historically or, you know, social science related thing. I, not a lot of money and those particular things. But one thing that I really do enjoy that there is, I think, a decent amount of money in, and it's seasonal, which is great is anything related to like Halloween uh, or, you know, like haunted house, you know, hay rides, that kind of stuff. I would want to start one of those in a place in Ohio. You know, there are places around where you've got to go, especially in Columbus, like, oh yeah, I'll drive 40 minutes. Like, no, no, no. I want to have a relatively urban-ish Halloween kind of experience. Like within the, I'm not saying like, you know, downtown, but close enough to where people in Columbus can have a good time. In fact, there's actually a place uh, in Middletown close by. I think they call it the Haunted Hoochie. I can't remember exactly, uh, but it's really close by uh, to where everybody lives in Middletown. And it's, it's hugely popular. People love it in the fall um, because they don't have to travel 40 minutes to get, you know, to their, you know, warm, hot cider. <laughs> <laughs> apple cider warm apple cider you know to get their pumpkins and stuff so i want to start something like that i think that'd be a lot of fun i i love going to those farmers markets and the hay rides and all that stuff so i i think that's something that i would do i think i would enjoy that nice good choice i like it you can tell friends listening that uh you know we 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 spent sit around all day thinking about business right. ventures that that we're going to run. I, I love it. You know, and we, maybe Old we could John get together. fancy hay rack. See, we could get together on that. You know, we, I've, I've got, uh, I've got the, the, the farm ground where we're, where we're going to have my mythical, uh, beef cattle feeding operation. We could just bump it up with your yeah your, joint your operation. Johnny's haunted hay rides, you know, I, haunted I hay rides, petting zoo and uh slaughterhouse. Warren, mm-hmm. Warren stop by, uh, stop by the cookout this weekend and see us. We we've got the plan. Fantastic investment for your 50 million. Give us a hundred million dollars. Thanks for the question, Josh. We love it. Uh, really appreciate all of the questions. And again, you can always hit us up 
ask us anything. We'd love to talk with you next week. Johnny, tell us that address again where we can drop our questions. You can send them to dubcast at 11warriors.com and uh, ask us literally anything because we like answering literally anything. All right, friend. Good show. Uh, I, I don't think we drove it in the ditch. You know, no, it was handing, great. Handing the stick over to this rank amateur. Uh, a pleasure doing business with you as always. And a reminder, friends, go visit the dry goods store at 11warriors.com. Send us questions dubcast at uh, 11warriors.com for ask us anything and reminder hit us up in the comments if you didn't do so already your favorite retired number at ohio state or the number ohio state should retire that they haven't done yet either football or basketball i'll be looking in the comments to see what you have to say and we will see you again same bat time same bat channel next week until then i'm andy i'm johnny and we'll see you then